Hi guys and welcome to the Fight Up Boxing Podcast. I'm Lukash as always and um we have a quite a week this week after the excitement of Usyk vs Joshua. Um we had one card which was a, a veteran fight, a ten rounder between Richard Comey and Jose Pedraza. And um it was pretty good. It was a hundred and forty pounder. It's you know, it's of limited relevance, but um you know, the winner could have maybe gone in for one one more title shot, but they drew, so I don't really know what's gonna happen there. Yeah, you know, they're they're not gonna trouble the very top of the division particularly, I wouldn't imagine, but um but they've still got something and uh, they showed a fair amount of fun and uh you know some amount of skills. So let's talk about it. Um at the end I'm gonna talk about two more fights on the card, but uh, very briefly, there's two heavyweight prospects, um Jared Anderson and Richard Torres Jr. And I'll just talk about them briefly and the you know, where they fit into the heavyweight division. But let's go with the main event. Well, ultimately, the reason it was fun is is because you had two fighters whose punching skills are better than their defensive skills, and they were sort of able to find the limitations in each other's games. And um, there was a little bit of back and forth. Their range definitely came into it because they both kind of you know gassed just when they were sort of pushing, and um, and that was part of the fun. The fun as well, part of the fight. Um, Comey gassed more than Pedraza, um, but by the end. Uh, Pedraza pulled out the last two rounds, I think. Um, I, I didn't kind of fully score this, um, but I have no arguments with the split draw. I would have leaned Pedraza. He just, you know, he seemed like he was winning more rounds. I was scoring it early, and um, then at the end, uh, I kind of <laughs> lost track of what I was doing. But um, yeah, Comey, um, Comey was a uh, Comey had a few good rounds early, and then he started to drop off. Like he started gassing sooner, and then Pedraza. He kind of took over by the end, but but it was sort of back and forth, and he took rounds off as well. And uh, yeah, it was one of those fights. Uh, I would say the difference between them, and probably the reason why, you know, I feel like Pedraza felt like the better fighter. But like I'm not saying the um, the draw the draw score was wrong because you know they were both well in it. But um, the the reason I felt coming out of it that Pedraza was kind of the more the more complete guy was he has he just does more kinds of stuff he does more going backwards and forwards um, he throws more kinds of punches he's better with his jab he had far more body shots going on but um Comey's just a bit slicker uh, he has more head movement uh, he forgets it when he's really throwing but uh he has more head movement he's a bit more patient which sometimes turns into a negative which I will get onto um, and yeah he just has I would say no. He hasn't got more ideas. That's the opposite of true. He has less ideas, but um, but he has more. He has more ways to do the things that he does do, but he does less things. I think would be the way to put it. Then uh, Pedraza got himself in trouble because uh, he has a bigger arsenal of punches, but um, he relies much more on footwork than head movement and the guard for his defense. So his guard is there, and it's just not very good. Um, his head movement is almost non-existent, but he would insist on trading in the pocket. And like, I think he's just decided that this is a guy he can be, that it's a useful addition to his arsenal, which to some extent it probably is. But he's not as good. He simply isn't as good as defending in there as he is moving with his feet. So he he does get caught, and, you know, he caught around the guard. He gets caught with his... Uh, well, there's two ways he gets caught doing that. The first is uh, that uh, sometimes he's just throwing hands, and he, you know, Comey is, I would say, probably better than him at throwing with his opponent. So when he threw long enough for Comey to decide to throw back, and again, I'll go back to that later, um, you know, he'd catch him, he'd catch him 
he'd catch Pedraza while he had his um, his hands sort of not even down, just throw him. And the other thing is that when he has his guard up, it's just not that good. And um, and Comey, when Comey did push him back and get off first, um, Pedraza would shut up and find Comey punching around his guard or through his guard, just snaking little punches. That's where Comey is better than Pedraza. You know, the punches he does throw, he can do, throw little angles, he can turn them over, he can just loop them around a little bit in ways Pedraza doesn't. And that's where he had his advantages, and there were a couple of moments, um, you know, in the early fight. Basically, I think Pedraza won the first, more or less. Um, you know, that was one of those that's up in the air. Then the second round, he got a bit comfortable early on and started going after Comey. And uh, and it looked like he hurt Comey a little bit uh, in the early parts of the round. And then he just got... He walked onto a shot. Basically, he got he started to really throw him, and Comey eventually went okay then, and um, and caught him pretty heavily. And so the rest of that round, and then uh, rounds two and three, basically was Comey's uh, pretty clearly. And then after that, he seemed to get himself together again, and and started to get back into it. And Comey, I would say Comey de- had definitely did gas himself a little bit, you know, chasing the knockout in those in those rounds. And so Pedraza started to come back into it, and then it got, you know, it's just back and forth like that the whole time. Comey would get caught a few times as well, but Comey, Comey's big weakness in the fight was that he was headhunting. I think if he'd have uh, gone to the body a bit more, he could have kept the fight a lot more even, and and not, well, he would have gassed out the same amount as he did, but he would have dropped Pedraza's pace as well. But he didn't, he was just headhunting, and he was throwing away, you know, he was giving away a lot of shots because Pedraza's movement was making a lot of them fall short and you know even though i talk about defense being limited he was still catching a fair amount of them on the gloves and stuff so that was comey's big weakness you know there was quite a few times where he pushed pedraza back and then just didn't land on him much and then the other thing was there were quite a few times when he pushed him back and just didn't throw anything um, that was evident in the beginning of round you know the early parts of round four then he did pick up the pace a bit towards the end but he was just you know He'd push Pedraza back and be looking for the reaction. And I think this is where his, you know, his age really did start to show. He'd push Pedraza back and, you know, it's pretty standard stuff. Push your opponent back and then hope that they throw first, you know. Front foot counterpuncher. Um, bait, um, push them into reaction. But what Comey would do is push Pedraza back and then not throw. And then when Pedraza did throw, he was no longer ready to do it. And was caught off guard and turned around and pushed back. I would say that was what... You know, I just said that what cost him the fight was headhunting, but that uh, this also cost him the win, not the fight, because he didn't lose. But he, um, those were the two things that really limited him. It was the limitations of his attacking approach, the headhunting, and this, you know, just waiting, 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 and you know that's the thing that comes comes with age eventually to a lot of fighters. Yeah, you struggle to pull the trigger on the on the dot, and I think it was. You know, he looked sharp when he did throw, but there were times when he should have been throwing and he wasn't. And that may have been a concern with his stamina, but it also may just have been, you know, this this thing where he, the shot, by the time he goes to throw the shot, it's no longer there type of thing. And Pedraza definitely looked like the more just sort of happy in himself in you know being comfortable with what he could do within the fight that he didn't Pedraza at no point you know I think he made some wrong decisions but at no point did he look like he wasn't fully comfortable with what 
you know, his age was bringing him, if you see what I'm saying. It just looks like he's, I don't know if he's more settled into his age, he's just aged less. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's younger. Yeah, he is by a couple of years. Pedro is 33, Clemmy's 35, so, you know, not a huge difference, but just, you know, for whatever reason, I would suggest that Comey looked a little bit more his age, but, you know, because Comey is a bit slicker defensively, you know, he could, he could cover a lot of that, like he'd be giving up ground and territory and not doing things that he needed to be doing to win, but, uh, but when Pedraza threw, so yeah, he, especially he landed to the body a lot, but, uh, Pedraza had to, I think, work harder to get his shots home when he did throw them. So it was just that kind of back and forth between the two guys, dealing with what they're dealing with. Comey, I would say, is faster. But, um, yeah, like I say, Pedraza was doing just a little bit more technically complete and um, also a little bit more straight lines. So, you know, Comey looping his punches around and stuff helped him find his way around Pedraza's guard. But, um, but Pedraza was throwing the tight straight punches. You know, it's just a really good... It was a good matchup. It was one of those fights. You know, sometimes you'll look at this, these um, veterans who are clearly past the best and clearly not really going to fight at the elite level. You know, this is what's £140, so they're not going to... Um, they're not really looking at a... You know, a throw, you know, sometimes you'll look at... You'll be thinking, okay, there's a throwaway title on the line. Whoever wins can have one last shot or shot of glory. That doesn't really seem likely at 140 But it was just a good clash of styles of guys who were there to you know they're not there for the last payday they're there to they were there to win and fight and yeah it was good just i enjoyed it and yeah through the um like i say through the middle rounds it was when comey started to fade but fade isn't even the right word because he didn't completely gas like right at the end maybe you could say about 10 and uh, 11 no 9 and 10 he was kind of just not hanging on, but um, in get to the end mode, I would say. But before that, he was still, he was still, you know, he was doing his best to win. Uh, not even that, he was in it to, he was there to to win. He had the tools to win it, but he had to take into account, okay, I can't go fully on the attack for more than a few seconds at a time. Very often, he'd open the round really strongly, and then. Um, and then visibly slow down as the round went on, which is not necessarily the right way around to do it because it looks bad to the judges, you know. It always looks better to take over a round late on than, than early on. That's, you know, in pure objectivity so far as you can get it in the um, in in judging, that would be the wrong way to approach it because... Um, you know, having a dominant section at 10 seconds into the round and having a dominant section in the last 10 seconds of the round, it counts the same. But the judges are quite simply going to remember that last 10 seconds. But it's just how the brain works. It's not even, I mean, technically it's bad judging, but it's just, you know, that was, that's the kind of thing that's, you know, it's unavoidable. You'd have to stop the fight for three minutes in between each round to, <laughs> to get that complete, completely right. So, you know, I'm not even going to go off on the judges for that one. But Comey, so Comey was giving up the visuals, basically, by um, opening strong and then letting Pedraza sort of take over. But at the same time, he wasn't being, you know, it wasn't like in the last 10 seconds of every round, he was uh, completely wilting or anything. He uh, it was sort of like a 30 set, really strong 30 seconds, and then just sort of slow glide into Pedraza having a stronger finish. Um, so he won some of those rounds and he didn't win some of the others and like I say I didn't 
I was sitting down and scrolling early on, and then I kind of, I was very tired watching it. I didn't uh, continue with that, so I'm not going to judge who won what. But, um, yeah, it was a, it was a tight back and forth. You know, honestly, just recommend, I just, re- you know, it's a good fun fight. If you haven't seen it, it's worth watching. It's not going to be your fight of the year by any means, um, but it's good for, you know, to pick up a few things. It's definitely good as a, I'll put it this way, if you're watching this fight with an eye to what you should be doing, to things you can learn, Pedraza's performance have more, I would suggest, you can pick up. With Comey, you can look at his head movement and his, um, you know, like I say, those little sneaky punches around the guard are definitely something you can learn from, from Comey. But, um, but, Pedra- but he also made a lot more out-and-out mistakes. With Pedraza... Don't look at his guard, don't look at his defence while throwing, but um, his overall game is more, is more, well, it's more complete. And he had he made good decisions about when to throw what, he made good decisions about when to jab, then follow it with body work, then go upstairs, you know, that kind of thing. It was good stuff by Pedraza. And, you know, it sounds weird to be nitpicking one guy so much over another when the fight was so close. But, uh, you know, I just, I liked Pedra's performance more. Even though I couldn't say that I scored it, you know, even even if I sat down and scored it, I can't say that I would definitely go to Pedraza. But uh, just from the things he brings to the table, in this instance, Pedraza's were the performance I enjoyed more. Like, not on a scoring level, just on a seeing it level. And on a, you know, like on a, on a boxing fundamentals level. His footwork's nice. His footwork's always been pretty tidy. And, um, yeah, that's when he's at his best. But again, at the same time, coming in and um, fighting out with Comey in the middle, yes, it cost him moments where he got cl- cl- he got clocked and he lost those early rounds and all of that. But if he hadn't done that, he may well not have gas- gassed Comey out to the extent that he did. And he may not have taken over the fight later to the extent that he did. So I can't say, you know, that was a wrong, wrong decision. It was just a... It's something that he has to weigh up, you know, these pros and cons you know his endurance and his stamina against the you know that fact that he's still getting hit and I think, you know ultimately like i said i can't say he made the right decision because they drew the fight and there's no one really complaining that he should have won it for definite but uh you know to some extent it worked okay i'm kind of padding here um i'm going to wrap this up this isn't going to be a long podcast at all guys um there were two other guys on the card that I want to talk about, and they were the two heavyweight prospects, Jared Anderson and Richard Torres. They're both young guys, they're both 22, 23. Um, Anderson's fight, Anderson's been a pro for longer. Torres was a, a um, was a, an Olympian in Tokyo. He won a silver medal there at heavyweight, or super heavyweight there. Um, he's, this was his third pro fight. Torres is less worth talking about the fight itself because it was a complete mismatch. He was fighting a guy who um, he just didn't look like he knew what to do with. Torres is a rough, ready pressure fighter. Like he's not highly technical or super. You know, he's skilled, but um, he's not a slick technician or anything. He just comes at his opponent and throws as many punches as he can and tries to get him out of there and you know roughen up and and yeah, he's he's pretty fast as well. You know, he's going to be unpleasant for guys to face I don't know what his his ceiling is until we see what happens when he takes punches back Jared Jared Anderson I'm reasonably confident of his ceiling being you know I think he'll get to world level I think he'll probably win a world title Um, he's 
23, I think. One of them's 22, one of them's 23. Let me just check. Yeah, so Torres is 23. Anderson's 22. Torres is a more experienced... No, um, Anderson's a more experienced pro, but Torres has the amateur experience. Um, Anderson is further ahead as a, as a pro. Um, his, you know, his opponent at the weekend was competent. Um, yeah, Anderson was fighting... Let me quickly just check the name. Anderson was fighting Emilian Rovkanin, and it was, you know, the first round. Yeah, it was clearly a fight he was always going to win, but um, he had to work to win it, uh, even though it was a second round knockout. He had to work to get that win, and you did see some, you know, it was enough to see where he's really good, and it was enough to see some areas of concern that he has to tighten up when he gets in with someone not really good. Um, and to wit, the uh, I'll talk about the areas of concern first. It's because it's really simple. When he throws, he forgets where his feet are, and he sort of kind of overbalances. His chin comes out, and that is going to be something he has to tighten up because if he gets into a slugging match with one of the really big guys, one of the really good guys, that is going to be an issue for him, and so he can't do that. That's more or less the only negative that's really there. Like there are other things, like he has to build bigger depth of game and all of that. But that's all stuff that will, you know, that will come with experience. Um, the positives are his majority slip. Like that, that that stuff there with the with the chin out means I can't call him a proper stickster. But when he's defending, he's got a good defense, and he's really good at turning that defense into an attack. He's a good counter puncher, and he's good at. You know, taking, rolling with a few punches, riding the few punches out, shoving his opponent off, and then attacking. So he's good at, uh, that's also why I'm calling him semi-slickster, he's good at the rough stuff in that sense. Like, he likes to play a slick until his opponent kind of gets into groove, then he goes, yeah, fuck you, push, pushes them off and roughs them up. That's pretty much what happened here. Like, his opponent had success, you know, Ruff Cannon had some successes there. And then... Um, and Anderson would go, okay, no, I'm not having that. I'm pushing you around. I'm going to shove you. I'm going to, you know, occasionally he'll throw punches from really awkward, ugly angles. You know, all the things that me and Iggy talked about with um, Joshua not being good at. Um, Anderson looks to be learning pretty early, like this rough stuff, the pushing. The, like I said, like I, I talk about Joshua, he's not comfortable throwing punches where he's not perfectly set to throw. Addison is completely happy to throw punches where he's not set to throw. And he's good at it. He really lands with power. And, you know, he'll, um, he'll throw these, he was throwing these really weird, you know, I like to talk about shovel hooks. It wasn't even a shovel hook. It was just kind of a janky, hooky motion. And it was landing, you know, from, he was way outside, he was way to the side and sort of free, facing frontwards. So he'd slipping around the angle, but not fully turned around yet. And you're still already getting the punch home. Like that's something maybe he has to think about. If he fight, if he, if he faces Usyk or Fury, he, he may get there soon enough. I to the top. Um, I don't know. You know that that turning on the spot. Um, but at the same time, yeah, like he's inter You know, he's stepping around and he's intercepting his opponent. If you follow with a shot without being fully set for it, it's just you know it's good to have. It's a good thing to be able to do. And he's super strong. He's super powerful. He's you know, he's really fast. Um, he's just a he's a really good prospect, and I'm you know I think he's going to reach the top. Torres is to, to be honest, yeah, okay, he won a silver medal. Um, I think he's more limited, but he is going to be really hard for guys to face because he's got this rough morning style that um, you know no one likes to face, and he's fun as well because it's not he's not he's not rough and morning in the sense that 
let's say Lawrence Cody is, where sometimes there aren't any punches being thrown, it's just mauling. He's not like that. He's a full-on... He just throws a lot of punches. You know, I would like to see him... Yeah, well, he has to fight someone who is good enough to, to challenge him. Like, even in the sense that Rolf Cannon was challenging Anderson, he has to fight someone who can throw a few shots at him, who can defend what he's throwing at them. Because he, this guy was just panicking, and he got knocked out really quickly. It was a... It was an embarrassing, you know, it was the kind of thing. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, I made a complaint about um, the YouTube boxing, which I'm not going to go into depth here, but I made a complaint about the YouTube boxing and its effect on, well, the way that it works being you have no idea what the levels of the two fighters are, so you're way more likely to see an ugly mismatch. Like we saw one where, where there was one guy who clearly has trained before against a guy who didn't look like he's trained more than a week leading into the fight. And one of the main events, because um, KSI fought twice, and the first guy he fought, um, this wasn't even the fight I was just talking about, the, f the first guy he fought, the guy on the title, um, I can't even remember his name now, um, but in any case, he's a British rapper, and by his own admission, he'd never trained before two weeks before the fight. And then he spent most of that time cutting weight. And that was, you know, there's just, just a dangerous mismatches all over. And I was complaining that, um, yeah, YouTube boxing makes us more likely because you just don't know who's where. And then the next night, no, he's not even the next night. It was later the same night. You saw this, you know, horrible glamming by Richard Torres um, taking out a guy who just shouldn't have been in there with him. Right, wait, wait to wait to fuck up my point, guys. You know, I will, I will contend, and this may be something I do, either a podcast or an article on. I'm not going to lay down a timeline on this because this would be research intensive and uh, talk a lot about different, you know, scenes. But um, it's a topic of interest to me, so something may come out. You see it less often in pro boxing, but sometimes it happens, and it's embarrassing when it does. And pro boxing has to have better. I mean, yeah, safeguards. It has to have, I mean, technically it has safeguards. Commissions shouldn't improve these things. But the problem is, it's, uh, you know, by fights made and all of that stuff, Torres isn't, is a very green pro. So the safeguards kind of go, hmm, I don't know what's happening here and let him fight someone like this. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes, sometimes it is just going to slip through the net. But um, it is always not great to see when it happens. Anyway, let's talk about where they belong as heavyweight prospects. And like I've already intimated, I am more high on Anderson than Torres. I would say Torres is less open to a big or flush one-shot knockout. Um, because, like, you know, like I said, I don't like the way Anderson hangs his chin out when he gets really happy about throwing. But most of the end, it, we are, I think, yet to see how Anderson handles going deep. I don't, you know, that same is true for Torres. And uh, with Torres' high-energy style, he could get out quickly. But um, but he's going to be weighing on his opponent as well. Like he's he's always going to be slowing his opponent down as he pushes. So so I have slightly less concerns about that for him. But Anderson, you know, we have to see how his gas tank handles it. But at the same time, he isn't really high intense. You know, he is a fighter who has the tools to manage his gas tank if he has to. So that's the flip side of what I just said. Torres, the way he finds, he has to have a good gas tank to be successful. You know, he has to be able to push it. Because if he's not pushing it, he's not really doing anything. Um, Anderson, he can be successful if his gas tank isn't built for full energy for 12 rounds. He can, he has the tools to back off, to, like I say, roll with his opponent's punches, just take some time off and not get hurt through it. 
Anyway, like I say, I'm higher on Anderson. Anderson sort of sits alongside um, Justice Hooney for me. Hooney is being an Australian prospect who you may, if you haven't seen, you probably will quite soon because he will be fighting a very bizarre fight because Marys Breedis is um, making his comeback from getting upset by an Australian with little experience in Jaya Pattaya and you know he was in a very rough fight and lost his title was it I'm first I'm surprised that it's coming back so soon because it's, it's super, it hasn't been officially announced yet but apparently it's been agreed for the end of October he'll be fighting Justice Hooney moving up to heavyweight which is a fight that gets him no more exposure you know it's no titles no real heavyweight ranking like Hooney's got a certain amount of um, cachet like he, he's in there somewhere in the rankings I think but um but he's you know not high in any ranking. He's not a title holder. It's there's a lot more to you know. It has to be that Hooney's team has offered Breedis big money to come over and give him exposure on the world stage, making him a guy that boxing fans will recognise. Because if I had to hazard a guess, you know, there will be those among you who have watched Justice Hooney. Some of you because you're Australian, and some of you because you know you look at the boxing boxing prospects and search him out. But if you haven't searched him out and you're not in Australia, you won't have seen Hooney because he hasn't been on the shows. Well, you're, if you're just watching, you'll see him. You know, Anderson's been on American time zone in America, obviously big shows. Hooney hasn't. He's just hasn't got the international exposure. And um, this has to be a big money offer by Hooney's team to go, OK, you've lost to one Australian, you'll get him, but it was a really good fight. You'll get exposure in Australia for this, but it's also eyes on our fighter worldwide. And uh, and yeah, and Hooney is basically, I'm saying all that because Hooney is the other, young, you know, they're all sort of 22, 23. He's the other young heavyweight prospect that I'm pretty high on. I would say I like Hooney slightly more than Anderson because I think he's, Hooney doesn't make those mistakes that Anderson does. He doesn't hang his chin out. He's also not as powerful. He's, uh, he's. I, I would say he's faster, but it's a pretty tight thing. He, they fight quite similarly. I think Hooney throws a bit more. But, you know, they, they have this, they both have this hands down style, you know, shoulder rolls, rolling the punches. They're both very fast. And, um, you know, they're both out to dance in and out. And they're both quite happy to wrestle it out. Not wrestle, but um, shove it out, pinch it out, punch, push and punch if they have to. And um, so they're quite similar in that, that respect. Yeah, Hooney doesn't clock his opponents. He's been the turnaround distance a couple of times in his six fights because he doesn't knock his opponents out all the time. Um, Anderson's the more explosive puncher. Those two, I would say, are the two fighters to really look out for as rising heavyweights. So they're probably the two heavyweight prospects, I think. Okay, those two are the, you know, the pick of the next generation that we know about because heavyweight is weird and there's always someone coming out of nowhere or, you know, someone someone will turn pro that I'm not super familiar with and Taylor can talk you or do about better or people come up from cruiserweight and turn out to be really good. Like Lawrence Coley is, you know, he's not a small, he won't be a small heavyweight when he eventually moves up. You know, that kind of guy. But, um, but Huni and Anderson, who just four are the two guys that I'm interested in seeing and they may not come through soon enough to reach the top before Fury and Usyk call it a day. Um, I would suspect that Anthony Joshua, you know, depending on where his head is, um, Wada will be around. I would think those two guys, I would hope that, you know, I can't, it would be far too soon to say they're good enough to beat Anthony Joshua, right, you know, they, they will become that good. But they're on the right direction. Torres, you know, it just depends a lot on 
how he's brought through and all of that. He, like I say, he has the amateur pedigree, um, and he'll be difficult to beat because of his physical correct characteristics of being big and fast and throwing shit like it. Um, but he's not slick, and you know it depends how well he can turn that aggression into stuff he can throw without without getting clocked and knocked out. In any case, there's not too much to say about that because neither fight was super back and forth. So I'm going to start wrapping it up, and I will talk about next week. Which, to be honest, isn't uh, super shiny, but there's a fair few fights going on. There's a uh, Saturday, uh, Francisco Juan Francisco Estrada is facing RG 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 Cortez. Um, yeah, that's just a tick over. There's no real interest there. He's um, keeping himself warm for Roman Gonzalez in future. Liam Smith is fighting Hassan Maikinho. Um <laughs> I will hold my hands up right now. I am not familiar with Maikinho. Assuming I get the preview done, I hope to do one again, as always. But, um, you know, no promises, but I am looking to get a preview out of this. Um, I will have to research my Kenya, but um, Liam Smith is always a good time. Um, Tasha Jonas is fighting on that fight um, against Patricia Burkhardt. Um That's a title unification. Again, I'm not familiar with Burkhardt, but given how Tasha Jonas won that title uh, that she holds... You know, um, it's one of those things where it may be that Jonas is just too skilled, even though she's much smaller, but I don't know. Um, I always like Dan Aziz, who's also fighting on the card. He's fighting Shakan Peters. It's a British title fight. Should be good. Dan Aziz is like a, just, it's a light heavyweight fight, and he's just kind of a roll forward. Um, not even a roll forward, but he's a high energy punching, hard punching machine. So that's cool. Then on Sunday, um, you've got Andy Ruiz Jr. versus Luis Ortiz. Which is just kind of interesting. You've got um, a couple of others. Isaac Cruz is coming back. Abner Mares. Um, Jose Valenzuela, who I like as a prospect, is facing Jesus Corrales, which is a good step up for him. That's a good card, actually. That's pretty, you know, there's nothing on it that makes you go, woohoo, but there's a lot. Uh, there's a couple of, you know, it's a good mix of veterans, guys on there, you know, trying to keep themselves in the game, in relevance. You've got Isaac Cruz coming back. And yeah, pro prospects. That's a decent card, actually. Um, Quite looking forward to that. I am absolutely not going to be able to watch it live, but um, because it's a Sunday evening show and um, I have to work Monday morning, which is you know, yes, I have a day job, obviously, and yeah, so 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 it's, you know, there's quite a lot going on this weekend, um, and it's worth looking out for, and uh, I will seek to do a preview of it um before you know before the fight starts on the, on the Saturday, and if I don't, I will see you next week for the wrap up show for the. For the uh, afters of the occasion, and you know, in between then, um, if you're not already a patron of the fight site, sign up to a patron. We are in the process of, let's say, streamlining and uh, you know, getting you more content on the Patreon. You know, all of that good stuff. We are follow us on the fight site um, on Twitter for, to get all of our, you know, basically to follow all of our stuff. Check our front page where again there will be stuff coming out now. Um, hopefully a bit more often to, to to you guys. We basically had a bit of a re you know a bit of a streamline, and we're um, we're we're seeking to get you more stuff more often. Let's be honest about that. Um, so yeah, keep an eye. Basically, keep an eye out on our pages. Uh, <laughs> watch like a hawk. There'll be more stuff coming, and um, you know my stuff will be among that. And uh, I will see you next week. <laughs>